through 7. Romans 1, 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, well, I do hope that you will have your Bibles open uh, to the book of Romans in chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. That is where we are. Uh, We've just begun uh, this study of the book of Romans, working our way verse by verse through that book, Uh, though we are uh, spending a little bit of time here on the first verse uh, so that we have our bearings as we begin this letter. God exists, and He is good. He is the Creator of all things. He is perfect, wise, pure, and just. Think of the greatest king you can imagine, and multiply that king's integrity, Excuse me. And honesty and righteousness by infinity. And you have our King, the Lord God. We, His creatures, those whom He has made so that He could bless us and display His love towards us, we have rebelled against this great King. We have made ourselves criminals against the Most High by showing no regard for His good commandments, but trampling them with our thoughts, our words, and our actions. We have sinned against Almighty God. We have brought dishonesty, hatred, bitterness, greed, pride into God's good world. And because He is good, because we are wicked, it is the just inclination of God's heart to respond to our sin with judgment. We deserve hell. We deserve the righteous wrath of God poured out on us. We have sinned against a God who is infinitely good, infinitely worthy of our love, infinitely worthy of our obedience, and therefore the fact that we have rebelled against Him is a sin that is infinitely heinous and deserving of an infinite punishment. And so this is who we are. This is what we deserve. Do you know that about yourself? If you cannot say that about yourself, Jesus will mean little to you. 
the gospel will never be precious to you. Jesus is God's provision for us. Jesus is God Himself come in human flesh, living the perfect life we have failed to live, and then taking on Himself our sin and bearing on the cross the punishment due our sins. On the cross, Jesus was our substitute. If we are His And now that the punishment that my sins deserve, now that that punishment has been meted out to Christ instead of me, Christ has borne it fully. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no more judgment of God for me to fear because of my sin, because my sins have been fully paid for at the cross. And therefore I have been reconciled to God. All that stood in between me and God has been swept away. He is now my Father. I am now His child. And now I and other Christians in this room, we dwell in His love for us. We dwell in His blessings upon us. His goodness, His mercy are going to follow us the rest of the days of our lives. And this can be true for each and every one of you in this room. The great salvation accomplished by Christ is offered to any who will own up to their sinful condition and their own helplessness before God and turn to Christ looking for a rescuer. You have 0% of what you need to be right with God. That's the bad Christ has 100% of what you need to be right with God. And that's the good news. So turn away from trusting yourself. Don't continue as a slave to yourself and your own self-centered desires. Turn away from that to a better master, a greater master, one who loves you more than you love yourself, one who's wiser than you, one who knows better than you the right way to live in order for you to experience eternal joy and to be a blessing to others. Turn away from yourself and turn to Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Him and be saved. Cast yourself on Him alone to make you right with God and He will do it. And then be baptized in His name to show to the world you belong to Him. Friends, that is a gospel presentation. This message of Jesus crucified for sinners is the message that we as Christians believe and through which we are being saved. As we grow in Christ, that message is shaping more and more every aspect of our lives. This Gospel is the message that Paul was called to proclaim, set apart for the Gospel. Woe to me! If I do not preach the Gospel, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.16, like Jeremiah before him, God put this message of Christ crucified into the heart of the Apostle Paul and it became like a fire shut up in his bones. He had to let it out. 
I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul says in verse 16, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So what about us? What is our relationship to the gospel? It's one thing to believe the facts of the gospel. It's another thing to actually rest in it. It's one thing to know Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for sinners. Jesus rose again. Jesus is Lord. You can know those facts, but that's different than actually resting in Christ. Are you resting in Christ this very moment? Of course, the gospel is not just for conversion. It's not as if God uses that message, the gospel, to bring us to Jesus. And then he says, now that you're converted, we can move on to deeper truths. We can move on to higher truths. We can put that gospel message behind us and move on to to even meatier things. There is nothing meatier. There is nothing deeper. The gospel is so simple that a a child can understand it and yet its depths are so rich that it will be the focus of your study for the rest of eternity. It is what will bring you joy to meditate on even in heaven. Here at Mount Hermon we read the gospel We preach the gospel. We sing the gospel. And in all of those ways, we are trying to become the kind of people where the gospel is lived out in our lives. Where if you you prick us, we bleed gospel. Gospel. Jesus sacrificing Himself for us. So we want to live that way. We want to sacrifice ourselves for one another. We want to give of ourselves to bless one another. We think of the humility of Christ. We want to be humble towards one another and towards the world. We want to be living pictures of the Gospel in all our relationships. We understand that the Gospel is the key to a strong marriage and a stable life. The Gospel teaches us how to relate to those around us in the workplace. The Gospel teaches us how to have peace and reconciliation with one another. Mount Hermon Missionary Baptist Church, don't ever go beyond the Gospel. Don't ever leave it behind. Let it always be preeminent. In this body. Well, this morning our attention is drawn to the first three verses of this letter where Paul teaches us about the gospel. There are four truths in verses 1, 2, and 3 about the gospel. We'll see how far we get this morning. We'll do the rest tonight. And so if you have your Bibles open, I want to show you the first truth that we are taught from the Word of God concerning this message, the Gospel, namely, that the Gospel is good news. The Gospel is good news. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the Gospel of God. Now, Justin, I don't see anywhere in that verse where it says the Gospel is good news. Well, it's in the word Gospel. You see, the word gospel in the Greek is the word euangelion. E-U, that is the uh, Greek word for good. And then angelion comes from angelos, message. 
And so this is the good message, good tidings, good news. That is literally what the word gospel means. The gospel is good news. It's news. It's a message, a set of facts. Don't ever let anybody tell you that the gospel is some ambiguous, liquid, hard-to-nail-down kind of thing. It's not. It is a set of truths. It is a certain, easily distinguished set of truths. God is holy. Man is sinful. Through Christ, man can be reconciled to God. That is the gospel. It's not hard. You shouldn't struggle to understand it, at least at its simplest level. Telling others to live a good life is not the gospel. Telling others to care for the poor and the needy is not preaching the gospel. Even sharing your own testimony is not telling the gospel. All of those things are important, but they are not the gospel. Christ crucified for sinners is the gospel. Christ crucified for sinners. Mount Hermon Missionary Baptist Church. What is the gospel? Christ crucified for sinners. Let me hear you say it. Christ crucified for sinners. Everything else is explaining that. (laughs) If you want to get in a conversation with someone and share the gospel, that's your message. Christ crucified for sinners. And then answer their questions. What does that mean? Who's Christ? What do you mean he was crucified? Who's sinners? But that's the message. So the gospel is news. It's a set of facts, but it's, it's not just news. It is good news. It is the best of news. Now, I, I, in your minds, you acknowledge that. Oh, yes, the gospel, good news. Here's the question. Do you know that the gospel is good news experientially? That is, has it fallen on you in such a way that you don't say with your mind, yes, the gospel is good news. You say with your heart, yes, yes, it's good news. hmm. Has it come to you in all its goodness? Has it come to you in all its, its sweetness? Have you tasted the gospel and experienced its goodness? In the Old Testament, the gospel comes to us in the form of promises. It comes to us in, in the promise. There is a Savior who is going to come. And in the Old Testament, whenever these gospel promises are given, it is always clear that when that day comes and that Savior comes, it's going to be good. A cause for rejoicing. Just listen as I read for you from the book of Isaiah one of these chapters that promises the gospel, that promises the coming of Christ. I want you to listen to how dreary and sad this passage sounds about the coming of Christ. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the, majest, uh, the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. 
Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come. With vengeance, with the recompense of God, He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. Waters will break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there. It shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Isaiah 35, 1-10 Now Herman, did you hear how the Gospel is promised there? Streams breaking forth in the desert. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Do you have everlasting joy on your head this morning? You see, that promise has been fulfilled. That Savior did come. We know His name, Jesus. We are the blind who have been made able to see. We are the thirsty who are even now drinking from the living water. As Christians, we are those who have been taken off that road to hell and placed on this path to life and a holiness and eternal joy. And yet there are so many who profess the name of Jesus who seem so unhappy. probably known people like this. They profess Jesus as their Savior and yet their personality is is bitter and sour. It's difficult even to to be around them. And you wonder, what's what's going on here? How can you you know my Savior and all, all that He's done for us and live with this kind of personality? Mount Hermon, if if we try and root ourselves into our jobs to find unshakable happiness, our jobs will disappoint us. And if we try and and root ourselves in, in sports to try and find unshakable happiness, ultimately we will be disappointed. Even if we try and root ourselves in our relationships, even our dearest relationships, if we put our roots there and say, I'm going to depend there for unshakable happiness, we will be disappointed. There is only one place where you can root yourself and find a never-ending fountain of living water. And His name is Jesus Christ. Every day the gospel is true. Your job may change tomorrow. Your team may lose this afternoon. 
Your relationships will have its rocky moments. But the gospel is a rock. The news that God loves you so much that He gave His Son for you is a message that does not change no matter when it is, how you feel. The gospel is good news. If you look elsewhere for satisfaction, not only will you be disappointed, but you will be, you will be putting an expectation on other things or other people that they cannot fill because they cannot be God for you. <laughs> Your job cannot be God for you. Football cannot be God for you. These things cannot sustain your life. These things cannot bring you peace when you find out you've got cancer. These things will not bring healing to a difficult marriage. The Gospel is the good news of Christ that is not only good for conversion, but good for the whole Christian life. It is the message that gives us the strength we need. Christ loves me. And if He gave His life for me, will He not surely give me everything else I need to please Him in this life? Will He not lift me up and sustain me? Church, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Remind yourself of it every day. When difficulties come into your life, don't, don't withdraw and, and hide in a corner and, and soak in your own pain. That's what unbelievers do. Because they don't have Jesus. But we have Him. And therefore, rather than dwelling in our own pain, we go to the Gospel. Oh yes, I've had a terrible day. Oh yes, this relationship is broken. Oh yes, my job's about to go. Whatever it is, we go to the Gospel and we say, but this life is a vapor. And I'm going to heaven. And I know it because of what my Savior did for me at the cross. And therefore, I can face this day with strength and with joy. The gospel is a cure for every wound in your heart. Can you not say, though everyone else be against me, Jesus loves me and that's all I need. Can you say the love of Jesus is sufficient for me? Therefore, I will stand up and I will love those who despise me. I will bless those who curse me. I will forgive those who have wronged me. That's how Christ has treated me. And so we find our strength in the gospel to be a blessing to others. And so you see, church, the gospel is good news. Good news about salvation and good news to sustain you through the whole Christian life. That's point number one. The gospel is good news. Number two. The gospel is of God. See that in verse 1? Very clear. The gospel is of God. Set apart for the gospel of God. Now this isn't the first time we find this phrase, gospel of God, in the scriptures. In the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 14, we're told that Jesus began His ministry by entering into Galilee and proclaiming the gospel of God. The good news of God. The problem is this word of, everybody say of, this word of is ambiguous. That is the word of can mean lots of different things in lots of different situations. And so this word of here in verse 1 might mean the gospel of God, might mean the gospel that is from God, or it might mean the gospel that is about God. Pick on Brad here. 
if I came to, it's not a big thing, if I came to, to other folks and I said, did you hear Brad's news? Right? That's, how, that's another way this could be translated, God's gospel. Did you hear Brad's news? I might mean either the news that's from Brad, the news that Brad's been sharing, or I may, might mean news about Brad, right? It can go both ways. And so the question is, which one is it here? When it says that this is the gospel of God, does it mean that this is, this is good news from God? Or is it good news about God? Well, first, we can definitely say that both are true, can't we? Both are true. The gospel is about God. You can't share the good news of salvation without understanding that it's all about God. It's all about His holiness and His justice, which is why we are sinners who stand condemned before Him. But it's also about His love and His grace, which is why we have a hope of salvation. The gospel is about God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's my sermon text for next week, by the way. John 3.16. If you know someone who needs to hear the gospel preached clearly and plainly, bring them next week. So the gospel is about God. Moreover, what makes the gospel so good is that it is ultimately all about how we can be with God. That is, God is the goal of the gospel. He's the end game. God is the treasure. The gospel is the way to get to Him. The gospel's not mainly about forgiveness of sins. The gospel's not mainly about how you can have inner peace. The gospel is even not mainly about how you can escape hell. All of those things are secondary. The gospel is mainly about how you can get back to God. That's what was lost in the fall, wasn't it? Adam and Eve had God in the Garden of Eden, walking with them, talking with them. God is the greatest treasure ever, and they, and they knew Him, and they were experiencing Him. Sin lost that. Sin took that away. Jesus came to bring us back to God. And so the Gospel is all about God. But with that said, I think what Paul was emphasizing here is mainly that the gospel is from God. That is, that it it did not come from any human origin. The message we're going to learn all about in this book of Romans is not a message of human contrivance. Paul has already told us he is a servant of Christ Jesus. He's already told us that he is a called apostle. And in all of these phrases, he's making the same point. This letter... And this gospel are not mainly from me, the Apostle Paul, but from God. Paul says it very clearly in the book of Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Listen to this. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Friends, what I'm telling you is that this message of Christ crucified came from God Himself. And that this gospel is from God means it is infinitely valuable. Any word that God speaks is immediately worth more than this entire planet because it comes from God. And yet the gospel, we're told, is that word from God which is of first importance. 
Which means every word from God is worth our lives. Every word from God is more valuable than houses and lands and jobs and cars. Every word from God is worthy of our attention and our devotion and our life. But the gospel is the preeminent word from God, which means if there's anything we're to know, if there's anything we're to be devoted to, if there's anything we're to live or die for, it is the gospel. Gospels of men may be ignored, but those who ignore the gospel from God do so at their own peril. Now, Obviously, since this gospel is from God, it is true and trustworthy. There's no dishonesty in God. The gospels of every counterfeit Messiah, the gospels of every spiritual guru, the gospels of every false religion, they will all pass away, but the word of the Lord stands forever. The gospel of God will never change in its content nor in its power. And those who hope in this gospel truly stand on a rock of refuge that shall never be moved. Mount Hermon, this is so important. And so I want us to hear this. We need to have this deeply ingrained in our souls. The gospel, this gospel of Christ crucified for sinners is God's chosen instrument on which He has put His seal as the instrument He will use to bring sinners to Christ. No other gospel saves. No other gospel has the power to redeem but this one. All humanity will be sifted and judged on this message and this message alone. Whether we stand or fall on the day of judgment will all depend on this. What have we done with God's gospel? Did we receive it, believe it, obey it, and honor it? Or did we disregard it, doubt it, reject it, and scorn it? This message, this gospel, is the power of God for salvation. Now as I bring this message to a close and... Think about this verse 1. One thing I want you to note is how quickly Paul, in the very first verse of this letter, has drawn our attention to both the Father and the Son. Paul does not begin this letter by drawing attention to himself. He begins with his name, like all letters of the time did, but he immediately takes the attention off of him to whom he serves. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, and then set apart for the gospel of God. This letter is all about God. It should not surprise us to learn that this word God, theos, is the most common word found in the book of Romans. Over 150 times. God is the main character and focus of the book of Romans. Listen to Leon Morris. God is the most important word in this epistle. Romans is a book about God. No topic is treated with anything like the frequency of God. Everything Paul touches in this letter relates to God. In our concern to understand what the Apostle says about righteousness, justification, and the like, we ought not to overlook, we ought not to overlook We ought not to overlook this tremendous concentration on God. There's nothing else like it 
anywhere. You see, friends, Paul's ministry and Paul's message and Paul's life was centered on God. How about your life? It's so easy to say God's first place, family second place, church third place. It's so easy to make little priority lists with our heads. But you know, it's our, it's our actions and our thoughts and our words that really show what's first on it. Is God everything to you? Is He your all in all? Oh, do you rejoice to say all things are from God and all things are through God and all things are to God? Have you met God that way? Here's our closing question. What is your relationship to the gospel? Do you know it and understand it? Ask yourself that. Do you know the gospel and understand it? If not, that must become the top priority of your next of the next days of your life. Put everything else on hold if you do not yet know the gospel and understand it. If you have questions, you, you, you're just not yet grasping it. You just have questions and it's not clear to you. You need to get that settled now. It doesn't take long to get a basic understanding of the gospel. I will help anyone in this room who still has questions about it. If I can. It's not that hard. There are depths to it that are mysterious, but it's not hard to understand the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man and how Christ on the cross took that punishment for us so that by believing on Him, we're saved. But if you have questions, come, let me help you. There are others in this room who would jump at the chance to talk to you about the gospel and answer any questions you have. If you don't know and understand the gospel, that's priority number one. Number two, if you do know the gospel and understand it, Do you believe it? And I'm asking now, do you believe the facts? Do you believe there's a God? Do you believe you're sinful? Do you believe that Jesus really lived and died and rose again? You can't go any further unless you believe those facts. But if you do believe those facts, then here's the question. Are you obeying the gospel? You see, the gospel is a command. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Are you obeying the gospel? If not, go to Christ in your heart. Rest in Him. Turn to Him for the forgiveness of sins. And begin learning how to walk the good road rather than the dark roads you've been walking. If you're willing to obey the gospel and rest in Christ alone for your salvation, And show it by being baptized. Trust Jesus enough to do what He says. And finally, if you know the gospel, you understand it, and you believe its facts, and you can say, yes, I even have turned to Jesus for salvation. Could it be that you are failing to turn to the gospel for the joy and peace and strength you need day in and day out? Could it be that you are turning to broken wells rather than the fountain of everlasting water? Could it be that you are expecting too much of your job or your relationships or something else when you should be turning to God for those things? Choose to turn again this moment and this very day to the truth of God's love for you expressed at the cross 
and live in light of that love. Bask in what God has done for you in Jesus. Soak in it. And find the strength you need to have peace and joy and to go out and be a blessing.